you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes put him up along with my man Brian Baldinger and Jason Lacanfora. The crew is back together. Man, it's been a long road, fellas. I mean, like. You know, 17, 18 weeks, we get through the regular season. It was a crazy regular season in the NFL, and now we get the super wild card weekend. And before we get into these games and what's going on with the coaching searches, et cetera, just real quick, like this season, what stands out to you guys? Like now that the regular season is done, it was these injuries to the quarterbacks, right, that really kind of set a bunch of teams back. Uh, we saw, you know, craziness with some of these franchises that we didn't think we would see coaches getting fired early. I mean, we think this stuff happens all the time in the NFL, but like you look back at the season, Baldy and and Jason and you go, damn, all right, what really, what stands out to you for the regular season? Well, I think, uh, real quick here. I mean, I I think the quarterbacks always sort of drive this whole industry. So, you know, honestly to see CJ Stroud just come right in and play like he's an all pro Right away, you see what he's like when he's in the lineup, when he's not in the lineup, what that team is like um, with the rookie coach. We, we haven't really seen this pairing like this. Uh, Joe Flacco comes off the couch, rescues uh, a morbid franchise in Cleveland and gets him into the playoffs. Um, you know, and then we're seeing teams that are just limping right now. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles thought to be a good team, but they're limping and who knows what's going to happen. Miami is limping into the playoffs. Maybe they get healthy enough. Um Kansas City doesn't look like they should repeat. Uh, they don't play anything like it. I mean, I just think – and then, uh, you know, it's, you know just the injuries to Burrow and Rodgers and these guys where, okay, um, you know, they, they can't they can't overcome it right now. And so I think that's, that's the biggest storyline right now. And then, look, and, and Lamar's right in there because they made the change of coordinator in Baltimore, and Todd Munkin has delivered, flat-out yeah. delivered. And people were unsure if that was going to make a difference. This is a dynamic and diverse offense. And the ball's getting spread around. He's pl- throwing it great. And he's been healthy all year. I, mean, I haven't seen I – mean, Jason, you see it every single day. But I haven't seen him even limping in a game at all. And that's been – the concern was right. yeah. can you keep – can you get Lamar through the season healthy the way that he plays? Yeah. I haven't even seen the guy – Literally, like, I haven't seen him put a Band-Aid on a finger or anything this year. Yeah. What about you, Jace? Maybe it's the Dolphins and the explosiveness. What what jumps out at you? Well, I I think there's two things. I'm with Baldy. It's it's always about the quarterbacks. And and for me, um, absolutely this year, the fact that, you know, over 60 guys had to start at quarterback, um, I think in many ways it was the year of the backup quarterback, yeah. whether it was Aaron Rodgers who played four plays and just would not shut the hell up, just could not stop from being an energy vampire week in, week out. Like it, it, from that whole thing to what Flacco has done um, to what Josh Dobbs was for a moment in time to what Browning, you know, kind of was for the Bengals. Um the teams that had them and the teams that didn't, even this Mason Rudolph thing, like that's pretty remarkable. You know, Mm -hmm. like it looked like Mike Tomlin was finally dead in the regular season. and was going to have a losing season and looked like the bottom was falling out there. And they turned to door number three in a quarterback room where nobody's sure about door number one. And all of a sudden door number three is throwing for 270 yards a game and pushing the ball around and, has a big boy yards per attempt. So I think, you know, it, it it's about it's about that. And then it, to me, it's about two teams that clearly stood above all else. You know, I don't know too many years where the pecking order is sort of this ironclad in both conferences. And it's a team versus the field in the AFC. It's a team versus the field in the NFC. I don't hear a whole lot of debate about, you know, two or three or four in this conference is better than one. I might think that five, six, and seven in some of these conferences is better than two, three, and four, but there's not a whole lot of logical arguments to be made that any team in the AFC should be uh, afforded the same uh, luxuries that the Ravens earned, and same thing 
for the 49ers. I, I think they were clearly over four months the best team in their conference without much debate. Guys, let's talk about some of the coaching things that have gone on. Uh, Jason and I touched on some of this on Tuesday. Follow us, okay? Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this podcast. You can uh, watch us as well at uh, In the Pod or In the Huddle Pod on YouTube. Many ways to get at us, guys, and follow Baldy's breakdowns. Read Jason in the uh, Washington Post. There's so many things that are going on when it comes to the NFL playoffs. First and foremost, Mike Vrabel gets let go yesterday, guys. Want to talk a little bit about this because we can talk about all these up-and-coming guys. This is a proven, really good NFL coach already. I like Ben Johnson. I like all the guys that we're talking about that could become head coaches. This dude knows what he's doing. So where now in the pecking order is he, Baldy and Jason, when you talk about the availability of the jobs that are open, Washington Raiders, Falcons, Chargers, Carolina, now Titans, we know he's not going back there. What happens here with Mike Vrabel and what happened in Tennessee? Power struggle? Well, I mean, I was just there on Sunday and honestly, uh, Tennessee looked like a team that should be going to the playoffs. How hard they played, how well they played their identity with the way Derrick Henry ran the ball behind a, a pretty weak offensive line. I mean, they pushed Jacksonville all over the place. So they look like a team that was ready to play. Jacksonville didn't. Jacksonville looks like a team that should make a coaching change. Uh, they've made assistant coaching changes. Maybe that's, you know, uh, what was what will be the, only the fallout of it. But Mike Vrabel is so solid. I mean, just, you know, what I like, honestly, Jason, I watch these guys every week like all of us do. And what I like about Mike, as opposed to a lot of these coaches, his, his face isn't in any chart, okay? He's in the face of his players. He's fixing things. Yeah. On the sideline in real time. Mm. He communicates throughout the game. The offensive line stunt stinks. He comes over and he lets them know it. If the quarterback and Derrick Henry is going off, he's like wrapping his arms around him. He's on the officials when he's got to be on the officials, but it's not his. He's just in touch. He's firmly in touch yeah. with the, the pace and the flow of the game. And just from a visual standpoint, that – that's got to make people feel good. And the fact that he's big, he played, he played at the highest level, you know, whether it's Ohio State, Pittsburgh, New England championships, like he's got all the heart, all of the backgrounds you need to be a good coach. Like I, why wouldn't you put him on the top yeah. of your list right now as you're looking to rebuild your franchise? What do you think, Jason? I agree completely. Yeah, look, this has been this has been simmering for a while. This has been coming to a head. I'm not surprised in the least. I've been writing about this since October at the Washington Post. Um, this owner has a vision for her franchise that hasn't been aligned with Mike Vrabel's vision for a while, um, and it's been pretty clear that this there's a there's an end of an error kind of thing going on here. The spending hasn't been the same. Um, you saw Derrick Henry grab a microphone like a wrestling match at the end of the game, right? Address the fans. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, it, it, yeah. it, like everybody there sees that this is going in a direction that isn't going to be about maximizing our ability to win every football game we can um, from a resources standpoint and from an ownership backing standpoint. And, and that trend started, really, you could, you could kind of trace it back to the A.J. Brown trade, right? No doubt. And then that led to the no firing of GM John Robinson. Yeah. And then they brought in a GM, Rand Carthon, who, you know, that was weird timing to make that move. And now the GM's empowered, but the coach, even though he just got an extension, is kind of in limbo because the guy he used to be aligned with is already gone, right? And I don't think Mike Vrabel was gung-ho about playing Will Levis. I think Mike Vrabel would have wanted to ride with, with, with Tannehill. And I think if you gave Mike Vrabel truth serum right now, He'd say, as bad as our division was, and as much as Jacksonville didn't run away, if I'd have played the, if they'd have let me play the veteran guy all the way through, that game in Jacksonville might have met some. Our game against Jacksonville might have yeah. met some. So they've been on divergent paths for a while. I, I would just that. ask anybody this question: If you pay any attention to football whatsoever, do you feel better about Mike Vrabel's ability to lead men, give you the best chance to win with the hand he's been dealt, and understand what it takes to win in the NFL? Would you? By that over 
Amy Adams' strong ability to build a franchise, to have mm. any semblance of an understanding about how to put a winning franchise together and about having any uh, sense whatsoever about what it's really going to take to compete. Is she all in to get her new stadium or is she all in to give Tennessee Titans fans the best product they can possibly get? I think you know the answer. And the fact that she herself came out and said, eh, might have taken two or three weeks to trade Mike Vrabel. That sounds like a lot of work. Like getting that draft pick that we desperately need during this rebuild that my cheap ass doesn't want to fund. But yeah, give me that $1.5 billion for my stadium, baby. That's a lot. Three weeks? Nah, we'd have been behind the eight ball. Meanwhile, you can't even interview people in real life, right? You can't even have non-Skype interviews until after the divisional round. Like just go watch her interview. It's five minutes. If you come away with that thinking you're ever going to win as a Titans fan, then we're watching two different things. But Mike Brable will go somewhere. He might not have the best roster every week, but he will put that team in a position to compete. I know what the record looked like this year. There's also a lot more to it than just coaching football. Mike Vrabel will be just fine. Mike Vrabel could come coach for me any day. I wouldn't want to work for Amy Adams Strong. Guys, let's talk about what happened with defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Resigns from the Giants. Here's the alleged story, all right? Martindale is told that Brian Dable is letting go of his outside linebackers coach, Drew Wilkins, and his brother, defensive assistant, Kevin Wilkins. And he's pissed. He goes to see Dable. He goes in on Dable, gets up, slams the door, according to the reports out there, walks out of the building. Baldy, uh, what, what's going on here with the Giants? Do we have dysfunction? Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, Wink's not going to come out and say anything like that. Uh, he, he'll be above board. Whatever happened in, in-house will stay there. But I've been in touch with Wink since then. Um, I remember a couple times during the season, I was just checking in with him about a, here, a thing here or a thing there. And, you know, his response was, it's hard to win games if you don't score points. Like, you know, they had 29 takeaways. They scored 25 touchdowns. Um, you know, they had five games. They, they you know, they couldn't muster 10 points or more you know it's it puts a lot on the defense and I thought the defense you know O'Karaki really came in Deontay Banks you know stepped up you know they just took down the Eagles they had a chance to take him down two weeks ago um he can coach you know he can flat out coach he can disrupt quarterbacks um you know they had Leonard Williams got traded away midway through the season like he was a he was a centerpiece uh Dexter Lawrence like he found his potential under Wink. There's a lot of good things, but there's there was real friction between him and Dable. And so um, Wink doesn't mind. If he gets a chance to go coach against the Giants, I think he'd put a big smile on his face and love that opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy situation. We've seen a lot of movement, Jason. Um, but now, like these kinds of moves where you're replacing coordinators, we know – how difficult that can be. I, listen, I like Brian Dable in the job he's done with what he's had, but I thought Wink Martindale was a real reason why they were even in the playoffs last year, you know? So it, this is another one that's been a long time coming. Um, this is sort of um, the, 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 that there was some tension here between offense and defense that um, Wink Martindale and Brian Dable weren't weren't exactly seeing eye to eye. That's not a revelation that there were going to be changes to that staff are not exactly a revelation. I I believe there'll be at least some change on the offensive side of the ball as well. The sticky well, thing right now is they, they fired the yeah, offensive line. I, I, I think there could be. I, I think there could be. I think there could be some people who get let out of their contracts for lateral moves. Right, so it doesn't maybe look as you know uh, odious as the Wink thing does. The, the the issue with the Wink Martindale situation is there's plenty of teams, including I think at least one in their division who's in the playoffs who would love to have the services yeah. of Wink Martindale right now with a consultant, right, an extra mind to come in. But the Giants would claim, well, yeah, he doesn't want to be here, and he he has left our building and he has resigned, but we still own his contractual rights. Uh, moving forward, you know, that contract hasn't been terminated. Therefore, if we don't want him to go work for a, one of our member franchises that happens to be one of our chief chief rivals, we're not going to let that happen. We don't want him double dipping and we don't want him working for anybody else until we feel like it's OK. Until we have unencumbered him from his contract, not just him unencumbering himself from us. 
So that's the rub right now. Um, but he won't be coaching the Giants anymore. It's just a matter of uh, can they can they can the lawyers resolve this to a point where he actually, um, by NFL standards, is is a free enough of a free agent to go Jason, I consult think this with somebody is, I think, during the playoffs. I mean, just I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not here to break any stories, but I, the friction existed in day to day practice. Oh. I mean, like yeah. you know, you go out there in training camp, and you're like, hey, no blitzing today. We 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 we're trying to get our offense, you know, like. A first down, like let's 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 back up. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was. You could feel it in practice, you know, when you you talk to certain guys, you know, about what 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 am I going to go watch today? And they're like, well, we can't really show everything we want to, but you know, we're we're trying to get this side of the ball okay. You know, I mean, it, it was it was almost kind of funny just to to hear some of the the cut ups from it. Coming up, guys, the biggest factor in the Dolphins-Chiefs game. We're going to come back and talk about it with you here on In the Huddle. We'll be right back. All right, guys, let's get into what we expect to happen this weekend. And I want to start with the Dolphins at Chiefs. We have found out now, according to the meteorologist, and none of us are weather guys, but here's the report, guys. It's going to be one of the coldest games in league history. Zero degrees with winds at 10 miles per hour to 20 miles per hour for this game. Now, when I saw this, I said, Chiefs by 80, all right? <laughs> because we know the Dolphins, this may be a struggle. But, guys, this is what I'm looking at. And I want to think, I want to get your opinions on this, Baldy and Jason. Who runs the ball better? I get the weather's going to be an issue. But Miami averages 135 yards on the ground. Jason, they're giving you five yards a pop with these running backs. So I'm going into this game and I'm thinking, listen, I like the Chiefs. I, I love Patrick Mahomes and his experience, and I get all of that. But I just have a feeling like Miami could go in here and this run game could travel. Jason, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's an under game. I jumped it at 44 and a half when it opened. It got down to 42 and a half. It settled again at 44. If you go back and watch the game they played in Germany, right, which is kind of a one-off, like it sounds like this weather game is going to be a one-off when we're talking about negative one degrees at kickoff. The game at Germany was weird for other reasons. There were only three total trips in the red zone that entire game in Germany. Neither team mustered 300 yards in that game in Germany. Neither team scored more than two offensive touchdowns in that game in Germany. I think it could be more of the same in this one um but we know miami's history in the playoffs we know miami's history in games under 40 degrees we know Tua Tonga valoa's history in games below 70 degrees six and 13 70 and below 23 and 4 70 and above and we know miami's injury situation and i think the chiefs can run the ball just fine especially when pacheco's there to be their hammerhead to set that physical tone i think pacheco is going to get a heavy load here I just don't know who's this game for Miami, Baldy. Like, it's a track team that's already going to be minimized and neutralized to some degree by a frozen surface and freezing temperatures. And now you've got all these guys with soft tissue issues coming back to some degree or another, 70%, 75%, 80%. And they're going to have to try to get it tuned up here um, and below freezing, uh, below Arctic freezing. I don't think that's Look, it might not be good um, I, I do want to see – I do want – you know, we haven't seen the track team on the field in a while. We haven't seen Waddle and Hill and Mostert and A-Chan on the field together. Mike McDaniel gets the tag of being like this genius and all this. This is the game to show it. Yeah. This is the game where whatever – not just – not tricks, but whether it's misdirection, whether – like this is the game to like just let it go. The, all of the creativity that we have seen, um, this is the game to do it. And so I'm anxious to see how they perform in Arctic conditions because you just can't believe that you could be as efficient as you can be at Hard Rock on a 70-degree night. Um, and they have been limping, but they went out and they got, you know, Justin Houston. They went out and got Malik Reed. They, I mean, they're loading up. They know that Mahomes is on the other side. we got to do everything we can. So I could just see Vic Fangio going, okay, look, Malik, uh, Justin, I'm going to get you got 10 plays. I need your very best with your 10 plays. We got to get this guy down to the ground. We can't let this guy run around and find the secondary and the third receiver. Like, I'm curious, 
like they're loading up for this thing. I'm curious to see, and we know that Kansas City has struggled mightily offensively. So if it is the under, Jason, and it comes down to the fourth quarter, do one of these track stars just cut it loose and, and, and just find the, the alley? You know, like they ran the ball pretty good last week against Buffalo. Um, HN was not disappointing. They they got their 25-yard touchdown run. Um, they couldn't stop a 96-yard you know, punt return for a touchdown. So I'm anxious to really see this game in these conditions. I've been there when it's been 30 below with the windshield. It's not fun for anybody. You know, the coaches, the players, the communication, it'll affect both teams to some degree. So this game got me like really intrigued here mm. because I, I'm just not counting Miami out right now. I'm not ready to do it. All four of those guys you mentioned, <clears throat> all are 4-4 four, four under in the 40, right? That's what we're talking about, this track team, guys. That's that's what that call. They play fast. All right. those guys play fast. Yeah. And, and, so and it's one thing to put them yeah. on a stopwatch. These guys on the field, they play fast. Well, that's the thing, like, with Mostert, right? I mean, there are guys that you see that you know have speed, but, like, there are guys on the field that once they get out, you're not catching them. And he's, like, yeah. one of those guys, right? I mean, yeah. it's like – it's it's there's game speed where you go, man, he's faster than I thought he was, even though yeah. I knew he was fast. There is that element, though, of Tyreek coming back to Kansas City and just that, you know, I just want to show you guys one more time what you're missing, you know, in Kansas City here. No, he's still somebody's got to throw him the ball. Somebody's got to hand it off to him. Like all that stuff. Well, he don't look done. right to me. No, he, he doesn't look right to me. And it's not, just right it's not just, oh, he doesn't have his running mate. He doesn't look like he's able to hit top sprint speed. Well, when I saw him all Jason, quarters, right? When I saw him, I saw him a couple times this year, Monday night against Tennessee. And I'm like, this is when he was in, in real contention to go for 2,000 yards. And I said, are you going to get 2,000, Tyreek? What's going to happen? He goes, man, I could get it, but I don't know if I'm right to get it. Like, the, 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 you know, he's pointing to the leg and, you know, he just pointed to the leg. Like, there's ankle, there's knee. There's all these kind of things. He's in the lineup. He's out of the lineup. He's off the field. He's in the locker room. It's been going on for every bit of six weeks now. So I don't know just what what state of health like the Chiefs yeah. are going to see from him. It's going to be an interesting game. The weather will play, guys. It's the biggest factor in this game and who handles it, um, as we'll see. That, by the way, is the night game Saturday, 8 o'clock, Peacock. I don't want to get into that whole deal, but – Peacock is where you're going to find that game, guys. And I know a lot of NFL fans are like, what the hey? It's just kind of what it is, right? That's how the league. Thank you, Thank you Michael North. Thank yeah. you for giving us the Peacock Network on Baldy, you can thank you can thank the 32 billionaires and the and the uh <laughs> the guy who makes 50 million. We'll take a year. that check. We'll take that that, that, that goes way above that goes way above Mike North. That's a you know, uh, well, I'm just saying that and, and that check and, and Jason that, that check cash too. So yes. All right, guys. Oh. Let's let's talk about the early time. game. Let's talk about the early game Saturday. Uh I never thought I'd be saying the X factor is Joe Flacco. <laughs> but right. Joe Flacco is the X factor. Browns go into the Houston Texans uh, on Saturday. That is the 4:30 game, the early game. Texans, Baldy. I just feel like they got a lot of momentum, man. I feel like you know what Stroud did in that drive last week, right? Seven for seven, 82 yards. Must have it. Must have throws and lead you to a game-winning touchdown. Now they again they got the stop at the end of the game, but you needed that to set up the win. What happens here, guys? I mean, I like Cleveland a lot to go on the road and handle this. I do, too. And, and, and really, look, Indianapolis had a nice story this year. Rookie coach, you know, backup quarterback. They, they hung in there to the very end. James, You know, Jonathan Taylor had one of his best games in years. Um, but this is a different defense. Cleveland has been playing defense at the highest level all year. you got a proven coach on that side coaching them. They're reasonably healthy. They got three corners that, okay, you want to throw it to Nico Collins? We got three guys that ain't afraid to go match up with Nico Collins. And so I feel like, and there's a beast over there that uh, might not win the defensive player of the year, but he might look like it, you know, in this game in Miles Garrett. He knows what time it is. Um, he knows what time. He, he knows that this thing is built around him. 
and it's way more than just him. But I just feel like it's one thing to throw 75 yards to Nico on the first play of the game. I don't know that's going to happen against Cleveland. Um, and so whatever Joe gives you, he's going to probably give them two. He's probably going to throw two up for grabs. It's the way he's been, yep. it's the way he's been playing. And I think Cleveland's just fine. I think Schwartz told his defense, look, we're here because we got Cinderella playing quarterback. Maybe the, the, the slipper drops, but I don't think it's going to drop here. Like, I think they have enough to go into Houston. And, and as good as CJ has been, he's been – you can't take anything away from the kid. He's been awesome. And D'Amico and how that group of castaways on defense has come together. But but Cleveland is a is a, like they're a beast. And I think you're going to look like it. I, I do too. What about Zadarius Smith, by the way? I mean, I know he's kind of been here, right, up and down. But I feel like this is a game like now you're in the playoffs. This is why you went and got Zadarius Smith opposite, right, Miles Garrett. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, wait, yeah, till, no. wait till next week, Baldy. Wait till next week when he comes to Baltimore and faces nope. his former team, the Ravens, who not only let him go in free agency, but remember a few years back, Baldy, where the backers asked him to take a hair, uh, pay cut. He said, no, thanks. He had a wink, wink with the Ravens. And then his, you know, he looked around at what some of the other guys were getting, pulled out of the deal, right, and, and ended up, I think it was Minnesota he ended up going to, right? So, yeah, I, I'd say next week um, against that offensive line, even more interesting test. I like the Browns here too, guys. I really like the over here. This is this is kind of remarkable. The average Browns road game, right, closed at 38.75 points. The average over-under on Browns road games was 38.75 points. The average scoring in a Browns road game, 54. 15 points above the total. I think this game is played in the 50s because I think Cleveland scores above 27 themselves. I, I think this could be a shock to the system for the Texans early. That is a very young team, a quarterback, a head coach, a lot of these coordinators all making their playoff debut at once. And the Browns got to play week 18 like a bye. So nobody played. Houston's playing a game against the Colts that's basically round one of the playoffs. And the Browns are seeing what their backups look like against, um, you know, Browning and company. Uh I just think Cleveland's got an inherent advantage here. Joe Flacco's going to pass Tom Brady for the most road playoff wins in NFL history in this game if he wins. Like, wow. that's a tough task. And, Baldy, you talked about the corners. Jimmy Schwartz is playing more man than he ever has in his life. He's Wait playing over 40% man. You saw what Stroud can do destroying cover three against, you know, uh, Gus Bradley last week. You look at what Stroud does against cover two, what he does against quarters. But when he, when he sees man, it's a different story. And he's going to see man in this game without Tank Dell. Like, you kind of know where the ball's going, right? The ball's going to Nico Collins or the ball's going to the tight end or the ball's going in the third row of the stands. They make you hold the ball, Jason. They make you hold it, you know, because yeah. that first that guy isn't open. Um, and I think they'll adjust, Baldy. And I think Houston yeah. will get their points along the way. But yeah. I think it's a tough matchup for them in their playoff debut. I agree. Uh, it's going to be the 430 game, guys. Let's talk about Saturday's games uh, or Sunday's games as we get out of Saturday. And, you know, again, we got three games Saturday. We get a Monday night game. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. It's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and that way you don't miss an episode. Packers at the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy facing his old team. Jordan Love on one. Guys, playing unbelievable right now. And here the Cowboys are. And I heard Jerry say this. <laughs> Fellas, Jerry said, well, Mike's, you know, a big reason why we're here. But we'll see how the playoffs go. <laughs> Which He's means. Not, ain't telling no lies there, brother. Yeah, well, no. but Jason, if that means if they screw this up, is McCarthy, is he gone? Dan Quinn time. Yes. All right, yes. tell me about this game. Tell me about why I should believe the Packers can go down there and beat the Cowboys. Well, the hottest running back in the league right now is Aaron Jones. Uh, the last three weeks, he came off the injury, and his legs are fresh. The guy doesn't miss a hole. Um, you know, he, he's been – so, I mean, you, you'd love to have traveled the running game. Oh, by the way, the last time Aaron Jones went to Dallas four years ago, he ran for four touchdowns against the Cowboys. Nobody in the history of the Dallas Cowboys has ever come to Dallas and done that before. Um, and he's a Texas kid. He's from El Paso. Like, it's a big deal going down. Now, Jordan Love, 
I mean, the Packers just get it right at that position. They got this kid right. They they did it the right way. They let him sit. They let Aaron Rodgers play himself out of there, and he took over. And he, they're not supposed to be here. This is a year away from where they're supposed to be. But yet, Jaden Reed, Dontavious, we, we all know the, the young kids' names now. But they're not supposed to be here, and they're here. And so it's up to Dallas to go play great football, to put them away. Like, Dallas is a better team, but it's up to Dallas to go do it. And we have seen them stumble at this stage in the playoffs um, many times. And I don't believe any quarterback um, is under the pressure that Dak is at this point. In Out of the, the 14 teams in the playoffs, nobody has more pressure than Dak. Because I played in Dallas, and you're either with Roger and Troy, and you're winning Super Bowls or getting to Super Bowls, or you're down with Romo and Danny White and all these other guys. Good quarterbacks, not great quarterbacks. And that's where Dak is at right now. And he's got to go elevate this team. And he's capable of doing it. Nobody can stop C.D. Lamb in this league. Um, the Cowboys stop C.D. Lamb by some of the things that they do sometimes. So this this game has it has tension. That camera on the box with Jerry is going to be on him. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, it's it's going to have all the drama that you could possibly want in the game. And if if Green Bay's hanging around, you know, 23-20 in the fourth quarter, they're all going to be holding their breath. And fans are going to be holding their breath. They got to put, you know, they got to go out there and put this team away. And that would make a big statement if they could do that. Jason Packers, we talked about it. Close the season six and two. If you believe in momentum, you believe that they have some momentum right now, right? Look, um, Jordan Love is making his playoff debut, but he's by no means a rookie. Uh, the way he sat and waited and was slowly brought along, I, I think this is very different than you know who we just talked about, CJ Stroud, who is great and as poised as he's been. It's gonna be a this is gonna be a different shock to the system. They've been playing, in essence, playoff games for the final two months of the season. And, yeah, they fared incredibly well doing them. Um, look, I, I think more than anything else, this is an over game for me. Uh, the average Dallas game at home produced 53.25 points. Um, Green Bay was one of the high-scoring road teams in the NFL. Average 25.3 per game on the road. Um and if you look at the final third of the season, you look at the final six weeks, I just don't really buy Dallas's defense. This seven and a half is too much for me. Like the final six weeks of the season, guys, Dallas allowed 5.7 yards per play. That's 25th in the NFL. And Dallas is also 25th in yards uh, in uh, points allowed per, per opponent drive. Like now I know Green Bay's defense is no great shakes either, but Green Bay, maybe Baldy, it's, it's, it's fool's gold, but the way Green Bay defended the run the last three weeks, like including Chicago, who I think Chicago wanted to let it all hang out there. I don't think Chicago wanted to no, go out and live like that, not being able to move the ball. They were running on everybody. I, I don't know. Like they showed me a little bit more in some areas the last couple of weeks than Dallas's defense. We know Dallas is built to get up the early lead and then they can attack the quarterback, right? Dallas's turnover ratio is really high because the game script plays to that, especially at home. But I also saw Seattle go out there and play a game, first team to 35 wins and almost beat them. Detroit outplayed them. Detroit should have just beat them there. Seven and a half points is too many for me. Jordan Love against playoff teams this year. 67% completion, 7.6 yards per attempt, three wins, three losses. He did have 12 touchdown passes in those six games. Uh, 264 yards per game, 100.6 passer rating against playoff teams this year. You know, you know if what? If Dallas um, can't turn him over, Baldy, 18 touchdowns to one pick since week 11 for Jordan Love. What, if they don't turn him that? over, they're going to win the game outright. They're not going to need seven and a half points. They better turn Jordan Love over. I think we're all like finding out uh, and discovering now, especially this year, that this Matt LaFleur is a hell of a coach. The way that he game plans, the, the 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 way that they tweak things week to week, like the things that great coaches do. Yeah. I mean, well, I think we're all kind of discovering like, wow, they they found themselves a real coach in LaFleur. And he just has a command. They have creativity and innovation that all these teams are looking for coaches need and want desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be fun because McCarthy is under the he's under the spotlight. No question. 
and maybe this kid Lafleur, maybe that kid. I mean Matt, like this guy, he he looks special, and the way the team plays reflects what this coach does. We all wondered if it was just Aaron Rodgers, right? For we, now, we now know. Yeah, yeah, uh, we know. And that's the beauty of this is it wasn't. And the other part, though, Carl, is these quarterbacks that want to make these executive decisions, get get out of the way. Go, go <laughs> and your time. Like Green Bay, these guys know what they're doing. You know, Gutekinds, like these guys know Mark Murphy. They know what they're doing. They're really good. And so, like, I'm just tired of listening to, you know, everybody, well, we, we got it. No, let these guys make their decisions. Like, they, they've rebuilt this team on the fly, and it's amazing to watch how young they are. I think they're the youngest team in the league. They are. Um, that, yeah. I think that's right, Jason. So, I mean, this is, like I said, it's not supposed to happen yet, but it's happening because they're so well coached. When we come back, he will not be on the field and what that means for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they head to Buffalo. We'll talk about it when we come back here on In the Huddle. It's In the Huddle, guys. We're talking about Super Wild Card Weekend. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, Jason Lacanfora. Steelers, 1 o'clock window, Sunday. I love the fact that Mike T got his team to the playoffs. I love the fact that he disproved everybody wrong again and he went through the quarterback struggles and you had a, a diva wide receiver, you know, ch- popping off and he handled all of that again. But Baldy, what are their chances without TJ Watt going into Buffalo this weekend? Because that is huge to me. It's one indispensable. I mean, they've played without Minka. They play him without Cam Hayward. He's indispensable. He really is because he has the ability to literally change the game on any given play. And when you don't have that, the, when you huddle up defensively and he's not there, like it's it's a big deal. Now you can go put Marcus Golden out there or Nick Herbig and, you know, Alex Highsmith's a nice player. Alex Highsmith's a nice player, especially when TJ's on the other side. Um, it They don't defend as well without TJ out there. I don't think they play as well as a team without him. I mean, he's the heartbeat. He's the, he's, he's the guy that he's not a rah-rah guy. That's not who he is. He just lets his play do the talking. And they can overcome a lot. I think this is going to be tough to overcome, especially when you have Josh Allen on the other side. And you need somebody to force him into the mistakes that he's capable of doing, like we saw, you know, on you know, in Miami the other day. Like they don't have that guy that can just chase him and force him to make that one throw that, you know, land in, in your defensive player's arms. Jason, they're favored by 10. Is that too rich? I don't – probably not. I haven't played – I ha, this is the only one of these games I haven't played yet. Um, I haven't gotten to the counter on it. I will probably end up – if it goes back to nine and a half, I'll probably jump it from the Bills. We know the Bills at home, right? When the Bills win at home, they, they usually win pretty, pretty big. Like, it's not a whole lot of squeakers, like – they usually don't win the squeakers. If you keep it close for four quarters against them at home, you might get that last Josh Allen interception that cements it for you. But I, I tend to think it's probably not close. And look, you mentioned Watt. Pittsburgh's one in ten all time without Watt, and they allow twenty six points per game mm. in those games. And they're facing a dynamic quarterback here who's going to torque them in a bunch of different ways. Even if they had Watt. Josh Allen in his playoff career average is 292 passing yards and 52 rushing yards. I think for the for the for the if the Steelers keep it close, Baldy for me, like Najee Harris is going to get 20. Like he he has to get more than 20 carries. Like that's got to be built in. Does does do you stick with Warren enough to give him 12 or 15 touches to where he can really influence can. the game? Right? Or I mean, is he playing one? Is he playing third down every other series? Because if no, that's the version they get of him, it ain't going to be enough. It ain't going to be enough to keep this close. I don't think. Well, so, you know, Najee really struggled when this offense line was bad. They, they, they When they put Roderick Jones over at right tackle, the rookie, and he really looks like a like a, a, a great selection. And then Darnell Washington out there blocking. When, when you give Najee a, like a real hole and a lane, like he will carry defenders with him. But if you got to like dance and create, Jalen Warren's your guy. I mean, he's going to make people miss. They're two different, totally different styles 
of play. But they needed both. Now, last week they got away with, like, you know, because Jalen fumbled. and But Najee, you know, carried the team. And he's capable of doing that just with his natural size that he has. But this, they turned things around. I and mean, you could talk about Mason Rudolph, and he's done good things. Um, and it was a good – it was a good decision by Mike to see what he could do, but it's been fueled by the running attack. And it'd be great if they could run it for 200 yards again against Buffalo, which they're capable of doing. Yeah. Um, if they can run for 200 yards and keep Josh on the sidelines and keep this, this game down to 20 to 17, somewhere, you know, around the 40 mark. I mean, that, that'd be the Steelers style right here where they could do that. And it's gotta be that with, with at least three, I think splash plays in the past game. Because the yeah. Steelers, what they're doing is, since week 11, they're running the ball more than anybody else, 52% of the time. Since Rudolph took over as the quarterback, they're holding the ball for over 33 minutes and 30 seconds. And they're also number one in yards per attempt, 9.6. It's Pickens on the boundary. It's Deontay in the middle of the field. Like, they need they need the volume in the run game coupled with the three to five legitimate big shots in the pass game. And we've got ourselves a ball game. But this is also going to be different. This is going to be different for Mason Rudolph. Like it, 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 it just is. And there's a huge discrepancy in quarterback, and and really there's a huge discrepancy in talent. Um, and look, people can ding the Bills all they want, and I get it. And it wasn't the best season, regular season in Bills history. The Buffalo Bills are five and one against playoff teams. People mm. like they're still, they're still pretty. It's still pretty battle tested. And then, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, it better be a, it better be a close game at halftime, Baldy. I'll put it to you. Well, I said, otherwise, I said that going 10 into, is going to look naive. I said going into week 18, Jason, I said, this won't be a, this won't be a great playoff field if Josh Allen's not in the playoffs. We need, yeah. we need quarterbacks. We need great quarterbacks. We need great quarterback play. We need guys that can just will a team the way he did against Miami. Um, where he literally did that. He left the blood on the field there. Um, yeah. That's who he is. He's just one of the great competitors at that position. And uh, as much as, you know, the Steelers are going to go play, you know, play for the upset, and it's possible. anything is possible, I just think you're going to see one of those dynamic efforts from Josh Allen on, uh, on, on, on Sunday. Fellas, let's talk about the most dangerous team in the playoffs. The Rams head to Detroit. Sunday night football. I am so intrigued by this game on so many levels. So Puka Nakua breaks the NFL rookie receiving record yards. It was cool to see, right? And, and the Bill Groman record goes back to 1960 when they played 14 games. So Groman was pretty damn good, by the way. So first, let's let's admit that. Sam Laporta, do we know if he's going to be okay for this game because the rookie tight end has been sensational? Two big things right there with Puka Nakua and how they use him. Laporta on the other end, the, the you know, golf going back, or not golf, but, uh, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. Guys, the Rams, are they the most dangerous team? You know, it's interesting, Carl. Last week, uh, the Rams went up to San Francisco. And if San Francisco, the 49ers put their starting defense on the field. And Carson Wentz went right down the field and threw a touchdown to Puka. And Ron Rivers running, not Kyron Williams, Ron Rivers. They yeah. they blocked the 49ers up. And they, they took that opening drive down for a touchdown. I thought it was a statement. Like, they, yes, it's a starting offensive line. But that's what has <clears throat> really turned this thing around is, you know, <clears throat> Avila at left guard and, you know, uh, Alar Jackson at left tackle. I mean, those guys, Colton, uh, Coleman Shelton at center, like this, this, that group has come together. Kyron is run for more yards per game than any running back in this league right now. I mean, this is what the season should do. You should improve as the season goes on. What's what good coaching and good coaching does, and that's what we've watched from the Rams. And that's why everybody, including probably all of us, Believe the Rams are a dangerous team because they're playing their best football when you have to play your best football. Jason, what makes this game yeah. so intriguing for you? Well, look, I, I I do think that these were two teams in the field who you told me pick 
pick anybody in the NFC and rank them in terms of having a shot to win in Santa Clara in a championship game. And these would have been the two teams I picked because they have a, a, an offensive balance. Um, they have enough multiplicity. They, they have enough um, in, in innovation in how they attack you offensively that I think they could they could give the 49ers a run for their money in Santa Clara. It just so happens they're going to play in the first playoff game. And obviously, only one's going to survive. Um, styles make fights, as they say. Where, where I think the rubber hits the road here is Matt Stafford's playing at an MVP level since their bye week. The second half of the season, he's been absolutely sparkling. Um, and we know what they do. They live in 11 personnel, Baldy, and they're doing it more than ever. Like, I think they're 97%. Like, normally for a season, they're 89, 90% in 11 personnel. Since the bye week, they come out, it's 97%. The problem but he, but he, is, who's the tight end? Who's the joker? Well, who's doing what? No, but see, the, the trick that they do, though, Jason, is, yes, they're in 11 personnel. So Higby's the tight end. They've got their three receivers. Or, or is, or is the Puka the tight end, Baldy? Well, that's where I'm going. Is they're an 11 personnel, which Matt, you match up with that defensively. But then their receivers, Puka, Cooper Cup, you know, whoever's yeah. the market, they steal the edges like a tight end. And so it's it's kind of a one of those little hidden gems that McVay believes in. In fact, if you looked at this, there's a great piece out there. Um, I just saw it the other day when they were looking at Puka in the draft third day and there's less need there. And he's, he's showing McVay like, no, he didn't run fast, but look how fast he plays. And Oh, by the way, watch this kid block. And yeah. that's what got McVay excited. Like, yes, I can put him in a slot. I can move him around, but when I need to seal the edge, Jason, to your point as a tight end, they find ways to block that edge. And they, they, they're they, as crafty as anybody. And it's 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 their secret sauce. What what Kyle Shanahan does with running backs and like wide receivers, right? So you don't know if Debo really a running back or is Debo really a receiver here? Is is McCaffrey really a running back here? Is McCaffrey really a wide receiver? McVay does it without the fullback, and he does it with tight ends and wide receivers. Puka Natua could be asked to run a tight end route. He could be asked to block like a tight end. He could be asked to run any any wide receiver route you come up with. And we can, we can win with three or four different guys in the slot. Detroit can't defend the slot. Detroit hasn't been able to defend the slot all year. Detroit doesn't defend the slot against mediocre teams that well, let alone an offense that knows its identity as much as this one and has the element of talent and deception, right? I, I just think that's going to prove to be a problem. Detroit allowed the third most touchdowns in the NFL to 11 personnel. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Detroit allowed the most touchdowns in the NFL to play action. Detroit's bottom eight in the, in the league in yards per attempt allowed in play action. And then Detroit doesn't defend tight ends very well either, right? Detroit's allowed 11 touchdowns uh, to the slot, right? I mentioned that. And they also don't defend tight ends. Now you got to figure out who is the tight end, who's doing what, and then do we even have the people to really match up with that? Detroit's secondary has been a problem all year. And we love Aiden Hutchinson, but is he going to be a Batman without a Robin in this one? To your point, Baldy, against the top five offensive line. And a quarterback who will just throw it into the ground if he has to to live and fight another day. Yeah. I, I just think that's where this game's going to be won and lost. And I think the Rams are going to score at least one more point than the Lions in this one. And they both might score over 28. We all know who Aaron Donald is, but, but Baldy, Kobe Turner and Byron Young, 16 sacks between these kids. Both of them legitimate defensive rookie of the year candidates. That's the part that, that shocks me about this Rams team. It's a great draft. Great draft. The young Bobby Brown on the slot, uh, on the nose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying it since week four. Give me an analyst that can tell me who all these kids are. But now they're, <laughs> they're making a name for themselves. But it really, when you watch them, like – and you watch what, you know, Raheem has done defensively. That First of all, they play a lot of snaps. And they've been out there a lot. But they play with great effort. All mm -hmm. of them do. And so it's a great rookie class, again. Um, and you have to get to know them. You have to study them. I mean, they're, they're, they don't look like rookies. They play really, really hard. Uh, Aaron still stirs everything up front with the way they move them around. And uh, the double teams that he, you know, still – 
respects and you have to give you have to give them the attention. These kids can win their one-on-ones. And uh and they do a lot with Byron. You know, he's a he's dropping into coverage, he's he's coming off the edge, he's twisting. Uh it's fun. It's fun to watch him. And I'm I'm happy for him because I think their their issues a little bit is still on the edge in whether it's Witherspoon or yeah. Brian or whoever's out there. I mean, I think they're a little vulnerable out there on the edge, and they have shown that. But the good thing is when you turn the tape on, this group plays hard. They pursue the football. They do what good defenses do. Totally agree. Guys, as we uh, talk about the last game, which is Monday, by the way, so we get games uh, Saturday, we get games Sunday, and we get a Monday night game, guys. Eagles, Buccaneers. Baldy, the Eagles offense looks broke. Am I completely off base here with, with what I'm watching and seeing for at least the last three weeks? I don't even want to go back the last five. What's wrong, and can it be fixed before they play the Buccaneers on Sunday or uh, uh, Monday night? Well, if they throw their analytics chart away and just play football, they can win. I mean, they went to Tampa in week three. They ran for 201 yards. They ran the ball 40 times. You know, against Minnesota the next week on Thursday. So within a span of four days. They, they ran it 48 times against Minnesota for 259. They haven't done anything like that since. Like And so the quarterback is struggling against the blitz. They get blitz. Wink Martindale came after him. Wink just said, he basically said, like, do they prepare for this? Like, they have no hot reads. They have no sight adjustments. The quarterback's job is to, like, find an open receiver, but nobody's adjusting to these pressures, and they're going to get it from Todd Bowles. And what you do against blitzing teams is you run it. That's what they did in Tampa. And, yes, the quarterback threw a couple of interceptions against Tampa, but they kept it on the ground. They played to their strengths. DeAndre Swift had a great game. Yep. But they they were reluctant to do that. And to me, it's like, well, this is not how you win Super Bowls. Well, if you want to get out of your funk and you want to get out of this downward spiral, I think you can run yourself out of this. And I think that would be a good starting point. Because defensively, it's it's a broken system. All right? But you can you – can, dictate this game by how you play up front and play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. Jason, they seem reluctant to do it to me. Well, Baldy, they, they better do it. And my under bet on this game better cash because that, that is, that is their only script. It's an, it's, it, it's, and we haven't even mentioned Philadelphia's defense is more broken than the offense. They need to run the ball just to keep their damn defense off the field. Exactly. Cause I got news for you. Matt Patricia <laughs> don't have any answers over there. He doesn't have any answers and he could make Baker Mayfield. They can go, look, I don't think Baker Mayfield's healthy. Baker Mayfield doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he's been throwing two touchdowns a game pretty much the entire second half of the season. Like, Godwin in the slot, he might just throw it to Godwin in the slot 20 times and see if the Eagles can ever make that go away, even if it's just yak quality. They could matriculate the ball down the field that way. The Eagles – and, and the Bucks are a good rush defense, but but Baldy brought it up. They played an under game early this year, and the Eagles ran the hell out of the ball, and they ran the hell out of the ball with the running backs. Hertz got volume in the run game. He didn't do anything special. He just did the push-push when he had to do it to mm-hmm. keep the drives going, third and short, fourth and short. But they established sweat. They let him get up. They let him get up um, a nice sweat, and they stuck with it. And that's what they're going to absolutely positively have to do here. Um, you know, the Bucs are one in five against playoff teams. I think we know the Bucs have some limitations. Um and yeah, Philadelphia needs to win time of possession. They need to protect their quarterback with the run game. Uh, and they need to keep their defense off the football field. Uh, the Bucs are six and two to the under at home this year. The Eagles, seven and two to the under on the road. Uh, I think that's probably the kind of game that it is. Neither quarterback's fully healthy. Um can the can the Eagles defend the slot even a little bit? Um and yeah, are they content to fight for their season and try to win a game twenty to seventeen uh, by rushing the ball collectively thirty-five or more times? Yeah, I would think that's not a crazy ask. But Baldy, you you and I both know that that building ain't right right now. And if no. they start this game poorly, you got coaches looking at who am I getting a job with? Where else on both? Not just on defense, where it's been talking yeah. on offense too. It is not good. And look. There's a lot of dysfunction. We saw what happened to the Cardinals. We saw what happened to the Giants. Like, they they need to come together collectively here and decide this is our playoff mantra. 
We're going to go back to two years ago. We're going to go back to the year before we made the Super Bowl. We're going to have to get nasty in the option game. We're going to have to have a stick with itness and how we call all these games offensively. This ain't about the. This ain't about anything other than holding on to the football and scoring one more point than somebody I, else. I, I, I wonder if Levante David is going to call out the plays before the plays start. <laughs> yes. That's what's going on out there. I mean, it's just that predictable it's in what they're doing. Guys, before we get out of here, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, follow us. Brian Boldinger, Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes, put them up. Here's the deal. Harbaugh wins a national championship. His brother, John, obviously has a chance to win a Super Bowl. Now all the rage is that Harbaugh, brother, Jim, is coming to the NFL. He's coming back. Fellas, before we get out of here, uh, we're getting into the Super Wildcard weekend. We'll be back next week to break it all down, talk about the games, who advanced, who didn't, and why. But just your general thoughts right now. Is he coming to the NFL? Is this just a leverage play for him? I know he hired Don Yee as his, his agent, which is Tom Brady's agent. I just get the sense he's coming. I don't know where he's going to land in the NFL. He's coming, and free agency has started. Like, this is the biggest free agent of all free agents right now. Free agency is, is literally, it's open for business. And so he's going to get courted. Um, I think his wife will have something to say about it. He's lived in California and San Diego and San Francisco. Um, mm -hmm. Looks like a big opening with the Chargers right here. They got a quarterback. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure. reporting anything. I'm sure. just saying there's uh that's one team that, uh, you know, I, I think the uh, Spanos family would highly entertain if Jim Harbaugh would like to come back to the West coast. Bobby, uh, I, I think, I think, honestly, I believe right now there's coaches that feel like they're a little bit safe right now in some places, but they could be shoehorned out of there real quick if Harbaugh said, I, I want to come. I agree with that. I, I, my only concern, or it's not even a concern, my only thought about, about the Spaniels, are they willing to pay him? Jason, I was looking at this yesterday. I think he's going to command $20 million. I think with where he's at and the coaches that are below Belichick, who's making $20 million and we know why, six-time Super Bowl champion, great. But then you start talking about – Sean Payton guy's got $18 million to go to Denver. I think Harbaugh's going to command $20 million. And I think that may be an issue for some of these owners who go, I want him, but I don't know if I want him for $20 million. Mm -hmm. Jason, what do you think? He's coming to the league? I think he's coming to the Chargers, the Raiders, or he's staying in Ann Arbor. And I, I look, he thought he had the Vikings job a couple of weeks, years ago. Like, it's kind of like, it cracks me up that this is like now some new phenomenon. He, he's been, he's been, going on for years multiple off seasons where he has had people on his behalf exploring a multitude of nfl options and he spent a lot of time with the vikings and they decided that they didn't want to go and give their whole franchise over to harbaugh they wanted to try to go in a very different way with two younger way cheaper guys who let's see if they can work together right and and let's try it that way versus the harbaugh way and I don't know if it's going to be a fit ultimately. And it's not just his salary, Carl. He takes care of his guys. It's not just about him wanting to be the highest paid coach in NFL history. He's probably going to want the highest paid offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Probably, you know, he he like run game coordinator. Run game's real important to him. That's not a seven hundred thousand dollar guy. Not here. So, can all does all that come together? Does 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 Spanos's kid who runs that franchise in every way, shape, or form want to bring in a guy who's going to tell you, I don't like the color of your office. I don't like what we're serving in the cafeteria. I don't like the way we travel. I don't like the hotels we stay in. And he's got every right to do that. But, like, is that the direction that that family's going to go? Because they never have. Never have. So maybe they, they might be, you know, in a position where they're like, we got we to gotta change our spots. You know, I don't know. I don't know the outcome of that. Um, but if it's not perfect, he'll stay in Ann Arbor and get a, a, another raise there, and and that it'll be what it'll be. He'll get 10, 10 years, $100 million. He'll get a Kirby Smart deal, right, uh, and, and stay in college, no doubt about it. Guys, cannot wait to see what happens. Baldy, are you uh, – you're doing the, the Hula Bowl, right? What are you doing? Hula Bowl's on Saturday, yeah, down in Orlando. So uh, I'm heading down there today. 
uh, be at practice tomorrow and Friday. Uh, take a look at some, you know, first real college bowl game here, some of these kids. And uh, it's good coaching staff. Brian Billick's coaching one side. Mike Smith is on the other side. A lot of good uh, long-time assistant coaches. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell Smitty, he's always doing his fishing these days, by the way. Hey, guys, we're back next week. We're talking about who won, who advanced, why. It's the NFL playoffs. This is what we've been waiting for all season long. Make sure you subscribe to In the Huddle. Baldy, enjoy. Jason, we'll talk next week. Enjoy the games, everybody. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 